Right. Well, as I was talking to you about, is that like I think it's a big generational difference. Is that for my generation, we grew up playing video games. We grew up with technology, and I'm playing with my kids. We're playing video games and stuff like that. And so a lot of life lessons were derived from it. And one of the big ones, like I was watching my son play Dark Souls. I don't know if you're familiar with Dark Souls. No. It's one of the more difficult games that you could play. It's known for crushing people and really getting them to like, you know, to stop. But my son like pushed through. And the big thing that he learned was like, it's, it's, it's not about, it's not about winning. It's about persevering. And even if you fall back three steps, if you get back to where you were and you make one step forward, it's progress. So it's, it's little progress at a time, even though you could fall all the time. And it's a really interesting life lesson that, that, we, that, that came from it, both for myself, because I played it when, it was, when I was in the middle of like a lot of um, dealing with trauma and depression. And it's a really great game, if, especially if you love like challenge, because the game is very challenging, but it's also very fair. And everyone, everyone in the game is telling you, you can't make it, you can't do this. There's no way, you can, this, this is impossible. And you are challenged every moment to, to prove them wrong. Mm. So in many ways, it, it felt very, like for me, like when I was dealing with trauma and dealing with uh, depression, it's like you're fighting through that and saying, these are the voices around you telling you can't do it. But you know you can, and every bit of, every step forward is just, is just that much better. Mm. So that's something my son took into it when he played it too. And he actually, he said, I bet I could beat this game in you know, over winter break. And his friend bet against him. And so he really pushed hard and tried to beat the game. And, you know, it's like after that, like games after that don't feel the same because they don't have the same level of challenge and people are looking for that challenge. Mm-hmm. So, you know, sports and games and all sorts of things that have that and they're, they're really positive. And I think people kind of downplay how much games mean to us and how much it actually coaches to us in life. I mean, you, as you said to me, like, you know, you're coaching basketball, but you know, one thing that I think I found out later on was that the Latin word for school is ludos, which means games. Hmm. That the way that they viewed games is a teaching method of how to how to interact, how to socialize, how to you know better yourself, and that life isn't about a series of passing tests. It's about a series of bettering yourself in iterations. That you'll win sometimes, that you'll lose sometimes. You got to learn how to win gracefully and lose gracefully, and then you'll pick yourself up and start again that's the kind of stuff that games teach you. Whereas in like modern systems is like, okay, you don't pass that test. You don't make it. And everyone views life more of a test that you pass or fail as opposed to a game where you lose, you just pick yourself up and keep on going. You'll get, you'll get better at it next time. Hmm. So completely different worldviews that we have because of our test mentality and school mentality. Hmm. So what, what are the commonalities if you had to summarize between life and video games well, what I find interesting is that a lot of atheists say things like, well, you know, we don't really need purpose. You know, we don't really need ultimate meaning. But a whole bunch of them, if you watch them carefully, they love to play games. Like games are about accepting rule sets. It's about making your world smaller and more understandable. So the first thing you do when you play games, you, you accept there are rules. And then within those rules, you accept that there are certain goals. And because of that, you have a feedback system. It tells you if you're making progress between them or not. And if you listen to, to Dr. Peterson's lectures, he says the same thing, that in order for your life to make sense, you've got to set yourself a goal. Once you have a goal and you have parameters of how to achieve it, like tell the truth, you know, don't lie, um, all the different rules, he, he proposes a rule set. It becomes a game. 
then all of a sudden, once you propose the rules, you have a feedback system. When you lie and you don't listen to your conscience, that's a feedback system there. When you talk to people around you for socializing, that's another feedback system there that you're not necessarily following what you're supposed to be doing. And then how close are you getting to your goals? Another feedback system. And that's the reason why we need to live our life as if it was a game or a series of games. So inherently, we look, we try to live our life as if it was a game. People just don't recognize it as a game because they think of it as a, as, a, as, a, as a pastime. But most of the time, the difference between a game and a chore is is if you voluntarily take it on. Like you know, that's the first thing: you stand up with your shoulders back, take on life, take on the take on the burden burden of life. That's the first thing you do: is you accept the fact that you're going to take this challenge on as opposed to it's just a burden to put on me and just have to do this you know that's a big difference like people will say like if i told them to sort millions of jewels into into rows they would resent it but people do it all the time for fun as a, as a video game bejeweled and you have candy crush they sort candy all the time you can think of it as busy work but yet because it has good has a good goal has feedback systems people will just do it and get into that Zen state of being, which is the Zen state of being is that point between um, anxiety and which is too much chaos and boredom, which is too little chaos. The, the state of flow when you're playing sports, you know this one also since you're, since you're a coach, there's a flow that if you're right between where you're challenged enough, but below where you're too challenged, you get in this state of flow. And flow is that part where you know where you are, exactly where you need to be at that exact moment in time. And games allow you to do that. But when you look at your whole life as a game, you can center your life around that feeling that you're doing exactly what you need to do because you know you have a purpose. So everything that the atheists are saying, you don't need purpose, you don't need meaning, that's, that's BS. They live their life as if it has one. They play, you know, a lot of them play video games, a lot of them play board games. They want to get in that state of flow one way or another. And that's basically what religion proposes, how we live our life. Mm. So like, the church does that very well, but the people just don't recognize it as a game. Right. Yeah. I've recently started conceptualizing life as a game and mm -hmm. I see that as true. I think there's definitely feedback systems in place in the world today. And like one of those feedback systems might be guilt. Mm -hmm. um, you do something wrong, you feel guilty and that, that lets you know that you shouldn't be doing that. You're not going in, in the right direction, mm -hmm. but the point where um, I started struggling with is I didn't, I mean, Christianity or Catholicism, you could say they're proposing a game, but it's more than that because it's just, it's a relationship. So when I started conceptualizing life as a game too much, I lost that relationship aspect mm -hmm. to it. And I started to get upset about the game I was in. Like I, so here's one of the objections that I came up with. Mm -hmm. I was thinking, well, okay, I agree that these feedback systems exist, like guilt, or, but it's, it's almost like God's rigged the game because let's say it's like um, maybe um, he's using guilt to point us in the, in the right direction. If I was able to do something sinful and not feel guilty for it, then that mm. would be a fair shot, you know, because it's, it's not fair if I... I mean, do you kind of see what I'm saying? Like, I, I do, and that's where you, you need you need other feedback systems because, like, your internal feedback system for guilt may also be wrong. Hmm. You know, for instance, in one hand, you may not feel guilty for things you should, and the other hand, you may feel guilty for things you shouldn't. 
like you feel overly guilty and there's also a sense of like there's guilt that gets you to correct your to correct your mistake and there's guilt that crushes you mm-hmm. like there's there's different levels of it and you and you have to understand like what are they and what helps for myself especially and i don't think people talk about this enough is having both a confessor and or spiritual director you trust so you know people talk about like therapy and you talk about uh, accountability partners and it's it's interesting because when you get to the 12-step program you also have other people who give you that feedback if you're maybe being too hard for yourself or too little for yourself the structure the church gives us is between a confessor and or spiritual director the spiritual director can help you say like you know you're being too hard for myself i tend to be too scrupulous so they try to tell me to ease up on myself and try to relax and you know you're being too judgmental on yourself and that you're crushing yourself with too much guilt and they they bear the, both the burden and responsibility to god of directing me in such a way that allows me to more flourish as a person so it's very important to get the right kind of spiritual director and right kind of confessor because i've, I've met confessors who are just simply oh that's not a sin and that's i know that's not correct but there's something like yes that's a sin and you can keep, get back up and keep on going so it's not just simply, you know, for, it'd be like playing or learning how to play basketball without a good coach. You know, you can be sitting there, your feedback is, I'm not making baskets, I'm not making baskets, and I, I feel bad, I'm not playing well. But you need a coach to, to help you to say, okay, well, get up and try again, and let's try this, or let's try that. It'll may help you get your baskets. You need a coach. You can't just simply get better at the basketball game without a coach, right? I mean, right. I don't know if theoretically you could, but it helps to have a coach to help train you, to help you perhaps, like, help you do the exercises that you need to make it better. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So in this, maybe in that sense, you might need that coach, whether it be a close friend in, in the faith or a confessor or a spiritual director. And the best one I can think of is a spiritual director, but that could take time to discern because you, you want you to find someone who's both solid in their faith as well as solid enough to guide you. Right. So how does one make the jump from viewing life as a game? Because I have found that when talking to non-believers, talking about life as a game does, you know, resonate with some of them. So mm-hmm. I think that's a good approach. But how does one make the jump from, okay, it seems like life is set up like a game. It seems like there is meaning to actually um, enjoying the game that one is in and believing that the game designer is is a moral one. Because, I mean something I've struggled with and I'm sure a lot of atheists have struggled with is they, they maybe they acknowledge that life is set up as the game, but it seems to be the way to win the game is to worship the game designer. Mm-hmm. So th- how does that, how does one take that and still believe that the game designer is moral? It's like if I were to design a game and the characters in that game only won the game if they bow down to me. Am I, am I good for that? Like, couldn't I have made it where they were equally happy when the, if they bowed down to something else? Um, I think, I think that's a lot. That's a lot of questions compacted in there. Let's, let's try to break it apart a little bit. Yeah. First. So it's like, how do you, it's like, first problem is is that i think that uh the first question is like uh, it's there are some games of course that are harder to teach from an abstraction first of all it's like 
how do you play this? Like I've played a lot of board games with people and it's like, okay, well this game is a little bit more easier to, to play if we play together and play a couple rounds and you can see how it works. And so that's one proposal is like, when you get into the mode of the game, this is what we're doing. You know, we're like, for instance, what people don't get about the liturgy, like what is, what are we doing in the liturgy? What's the game of the liturgy? It's something I've asked myself. Well, the first thing you do is you come in, you, you come in, you'll face the same direction. And what are we facing is the, crucifix right that's the goal the goal is to be like the one on the crucifix who's willing to make the sacrifice to do what is right to speak the truth and to know that it'll it will it may take suffering to do it but to accept it and keep on going right and then the next thing we do in the game is we, we sometimes if you're if you're close enough you go to dip holy water in yourself right and then you cross yourself right so we, what's that what are you saying you're saying I will take water is chaos. It's a symbol of your baptisms, a symbol of Noah's flood. It's a symbol of everything that could destroy everything and reset everything back to normal, back, not, back to nothing. And you say, okay, I'll take this symbol of chaos. I will paint a target of it on myself. I'm taking this on, bring it on, bring on the chaos of the world. And you know, this, this is the thing, like you have to break it down. Like this is what we're doing. And then you all say together, I made a mistake. The confidior, you know, forgive me for what, I, for what I've done, what I've failed to do, you know, what I've said, what I've thought, what I've done, what I've failed to do. And I ask you to pray for me and to, and to all the church, including the ones who've gone before, that we're gonna that we're all going to be in this together, right? That's what the confidior. We're all we're all we're all in this together. We're all making mistakes. Start again. Lord have mercy. Christ have mercy. Lord have mercy. And then you. Bring that vision of this is what we're aiming towards. Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth, goodwill towards all men. That's the vision. It's the vision that if you do what is right, if you do, if you put, if you put everything aside and you, you aim at this greatest thing, that all of us of goodwill will come together. That's the vision of the Gloria. And then you get back into the game, which is here's a story of where we are. Here's a story of all these people have gone before. This is the opening of the liturgy and finding yourself in those stories, relating to them and your in how you're broken today and how you could get better today and how we're going to get back into and the homily is supposed to be not really a preaching or teaching. It's supposed to be a, a rallying call at mid you know at uh, at um at mid game, right? It's like halftime or you know, you, you get together with the coach and the coach is like, you gotta, you know, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna get back together, we're gonna we're gonna do this and we're gonna we're gonna work on this stuff. You know, then we're going to keep on going in the game. That's what the homily is supposed to be, right? Mm. That's the game you play every Sunday, and like that's just that's just half the mass. But that's basically the structure of it. And if you look at the twelve-step program, that's exactly what it is supposed to be. You, know, you get back there, you get back together with the group. You say, "Hey, I made a mistake," or like, "I'm, a, I'm a, like another day sober," you know, stuff like, "I made it." Yes, you did it. You know, that's the way it's supposed to be. It's, it's that's the game we're playing. Is that we're going to try to get to be better every single day to be like this thing we're envisioning we're supposed to be which is the christ and the crucifix so it's it's more of an invitation for the for the it's more of an invitation for someone who doesn't believe to say hey this is this is what we're doing this is what i'm playing this is where i am this is i'll be honest about where i am where my failings are how i'm trying to improve and you know if you want to join me in this in this game we'll, we'll do it together that's more of the that's more of that's more of the leap of faith than it is about intellectual stuff because the intellectual will help because you can say well this is the rules and this is what we're doing but so what I what I you know that's like talking about baseball and the rules of baseball as opposed to playing baseball 
you know, talking, you know, sometimes you just got to get in there and play and then see how it, how it works and stuff like that before you understand the joy of the game itself. You know, do you, do you have to explain every single rule for basketball for people to learn, okay, this is how we dribble, this is how we shoot, and we can play some drills this way. It's just one step at a time, and it depends on the person. Mm. So, I mean, like, the, the idea that, you know, do you trust the, the game designer? Well, the, I think the problem is, is that for some Christians, we propose that if you follow and bow down and worship, you win by, getting, by the prosperity gospel, right? You're going to get rich. You're going to get what you want. You're going to get what you pray for. And you know that that's not the case. And that's not what we're proposing. The proposal is that you, the fullness of yourself will flourish because God is, because you are, you are trying to align yourself with God's will in your life. And you're trying to open yourself up to what God wants you to be. Because what God wants you to be is to be the fullness of what he made you to be. That's a big difference between, oh, I'm going to bow down to this God and, and pray this many times and I'm going to get something out of that. Mm. So I think also it's, that's, a, that's a big problem is that people view God as like that vending machine, that slot machine, that, or the game is the reward. No, the game is you have to do this to get a reward. No, that's, that's, not, what, that's not what it's about. It's about being in the game. It's like a, it's like a, it's a different game. Like uh, the games with the best flow are games like Tetris and Brickout. Those are the ones that you play. That you know you're you play. You don't really necessarily win the game, but you play it because it, you play well and you play and you play longer and you play you know you play better every single time. It's not about get, you know. It's not about just simply winning. You know, you, you beat the quest, you, you save the princess. It's about being in a game that continually plays longer and longer and you're just getting better at it. Yeah, exactly. The, the games that I've been addicted to, mm-hmm. I mean, there's not a clear, you know, you won or you lost. It's just, it's like, um, um, I, I played this game on like addictinggames.com. It was like mm-hmm. Cannon Kitty or something. <laughs> where you would like launch a kitty or a, yeah. a cat. And, you know, it just goes a certain distance. And then you're just trying to beat that, that distance. And there's no, there's no point in which you win the game. It's just you're constantly trying to beat your high score. So right. that's, that's what you're saying. The best games that create that flow aren't necessarily win or lose games. Yeah. At some point, you're not, you're not trying to win or lose. You're trying to play the best game you possibly can. So, you know, the game is, again, you know, what Dr. Peterson really does is like you compare yourself to where you were yesterday, you know, and that, that's a big, that's a much different game to play than simply, am I as good as that person? Am I as holy as that person? Am I, you know, giving as much as that person? It's a completely different game or like, is God giving me what I want or what I need and stuff? It's, it's, a, it's not the same thing. So I think that's part of the problem is that you may be talking about the wrong game. Hmm. Um, so that's where, again, you know, we need that coach to remember like, you know, Hey, it's, I know this game is important. It's like this. It's like the the, the playoffs or something like that. But you know, you got to realize like you you got to realize it's okay because your parents are sick or you know you you just come off a cold or you just broke you've injured yourself and get take it a little bit easier in yourself and stuff like that, right? I mean, like I've I've had times where I'm like I keep thinking to myself, you know, I'm terrible and I'm not holding up well. But then like you know, my spiritual director is like, your mom's been on the verge of death. <laughs> You have three kids you're raising. You have a full-time job, you're, and, and, another, and you're taking side jobs on top of that. 
and yet you're angry at yourself because you 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 decide to look at you know anime anime or anime titties or something like that. <laughs> like I look at them like you know what you're right. I'm being a little too hard on myself. I still want to give this to God to help perfect me and make myself better. But I realize, yes, you're right. I need to be a little easier on myself. So that's that's where I'm dealing with it on that end. So it's like, it's it's. I mean, it's it's like a joke now. Like I go to confession, it's like yeah, it's the same things, but it's not because like you know the, the you know the priest and the and my spiritual director recognize it's out of habit and addiction that I'm dealing with. So you know we're gonna deal with it this week. Get back on track. See how long, how much longer, how much longer I can stretch it out. There are going to be addicts who are like that, you know, who drink and smoke and other things. They have to deal with it, but they still are struggling with it. And it's, can you get it longer this time? Three months, four months. You know? hmm. But it's you know that's that's the game. And like in the meantime, everything else gets better all the time. You know, like your job gets better. You know, your your relationships get get better. You're more li- liable to laugh at yourself as opposed to taking yourself serious, uh, so seriously, you're willing to be merciful to others who are dealing with the same thing because you know how hard it is. That's what helps. And like some people are, some people that uh, when, when you know they're playing the wrong game is when they start you know, getting more and more agitated with others for the things that they do, right? So that's the kind of things I, I can say, like that's what I can see what's doing to me. I, I know for myself, when I've tried to, beat bad habits, sinful habits. Beating it wasn't as much of a result as me being able to see it as a game and like me losing the game, but instead me viewing, um, viewing life as a relationship or it's like, I love God. And so I, I'm putting him over this habit that I want to do. And so I think for some people struggling with addictions, maybe, maybe they have to sort of get away from that kind of game way of looking at it and maybe just look at it. Jesus is your best friend in the world. He loves you. You love him. Or maybe you're struggling with love for him, but he loves you. And, you know, you have to, I don't know where you go from there, but you just, it's love that is going to beat the addiction. It's not, you know, just viewing it through the right lens of this is a game form. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's like, I think that that's why you get into stories like, you know, the Lord of the Rings, right? You're Frodo and, and Jesus, Jesus is Sam, right? You have this ring that you're carrying and you can't bear the weight. And there's somebody who's with you, help you and carry you and feed you and, you know they're with you all the time that's that's the analogy it's not really like you know, i'm gonna win and in the end if you look at it you know frodo didn't win it wasn't by frodo's strength that he actually won that he beat the that he beat and defeated the ring right it was his weakness he actually was weak at the very end and it turned out evil destroyed itself and that's ultimately the, the, what it is that's ultimately what the crucifix is is that you know we're gonna do our best and be obedient we're not necessarily going to succeed, but we're going to take it. We're going to take this ring to Mount Doom, as far as we can take it, and they're like, "God, take the rest," mm-hmm. and evil will destroy itself, just like it did in that movie. That's how deep, how deeply Catholic that movie is. Like you know, people don't really understand just how deeply Tolkien knew that message. 
Mm-hmm. And in some senses, that's where the game analogy does fall apart. You're right. It does fall apart at some level because it isn't about, that's where the Lord of the Rings games don't make any sense. You know, you're getting levels and power and getting stronger. And that's where D&D went off a different direction because all of Tolkien is about, it's not about power. It's not about gaining power. And in fact, the people who are most powerful are sometimes end up being the most corrupt or people who seek power end up being corrupted by it. It's all about, you know, hum- that humility. And I think in the end, that's, that's, that's realize like, what are we, what are we really playing for? And it's not for levels and for better loot. And <laughs> that's what we were, that's what we, you know, what we tend to focus on. It's a little, it's a lot more different, a lot more subtle. And you, you get that by being in the game. Yeah. Conceptualizing life as a game does help me at some times. Like it makes a lot of sense to me the way you explain it. And I definitely see the parallels between life at large and a video game. But um, like I, I do run into issues sometimes when I'm conceptualizing life as a game. I feel trapped. I feel like I'm a player in this game and I have to go toward God. Otherwise I'm going to lose the game. And that you know, will create anger within myself and I will, I'll start to dislike the game I'm in and I'll dislike the game designer. Why do I have to play this game? Why have you set it up where unless I get on my knees and worship you, um, like I'm not going to win this game. Like what I was thinking is, well, what if it was the case that when we did a sinful activity, we didn't feel shame we didn't feel any more shame than when we did a good activity, then we could freely choose the good activity without, um, like, like I feel like free will is kind of in question when you add a feedback loop like guilt. Hmm. But, but I, I, th- I think I'm wrong in that thinking. I have an intuition that I'm, I'm missing something, but that's just the, that's what I'm thinking right now. It's almost like, well, I, I can't go back to my sinful habits because I'm, I know I'll feel guilt and shame, but it's like, I'm not, th- that's bothersome to me. I'm, I'm angry at the fact that I'm going to feel guilt and shame. So that's the reason I can't do it. So it's almost <laughs> like, I, I feel like I don't have the free will to go back and choose that because I know how the game's set up. Like I've cultivated enough of a conscience where, you know, the game is rigged for God to win. I mean, in my heart or something like, I I don't know if I'm totally articulating it um, well enough, but do you sort of see what I'm saying? It it does. It does sound one. I think you, I think you need to, I think one thing you should meditate upon the fact is that God called Jacob Israel. What does Israel mean? Wrestling with God. To wrestle so with God. You are really wrestling with him. Like, why is it like this? Why am I like this? You know, this this hurts. And I know it's going to hurt. I hate the fact that it hurts. And I hate the fact that I'm addicted to it. I hate the fact that I was made this way and that this is something I always fall back upon, right? Um, that's where I think, you, you know, like, that's where I think that part of it, part of it will, part of what will help you is a good coach. Because, after a while, you'll just start laughing at yourself. It's like, here I go again. It's okay. Let's start again. You know, that that's where habitual confession helps also, because I've gotten to that point where I'm just like, yeah, I could laugh about it. I could admit, you know, I have all these different addictions. It's like, yeah, like, I have problems with, well, you know, I love anime. There's a lot of like suggestive stuff in there. 
So yeah, I end up confessing things all the time about it. And it's like, yeah, here we go again. All right, let's start again. And then you just laugh about it because there's, there's a point where like you can only get so good at golf, you know, and then you, you have to, you, and then you, you, get, you get that slice again and you get that, you know, you get so good at something that the only thing you can do is like, okay, there's that habit again that's, that's coming out of nowhere and I need to work on it. It's very little, but it's something that you got to work on if you want to get your game better. But, you know, like it's, I think you need it, one, you need someone to help you, you know, to both balance out that, that shame. Because there's, I think there's someone who's telling me, not of my kids in the background. <laughs> there's a, there's a, there's, there's a guilt and there's shame, right? I think that's really what you need to differentiate. There's guilt, which is, yeah, I know that's wrong. And then there's shame, which is like, you should feel really bad about it. You should feel terrible about it. You should tear yourself up about it. You should beat yourself out about it. And that's where I think the accuser comes in. That's where Satan comes in, is that he wants to discourage you by using that shame. So I think that's where you got to start, start breaking it apart. And that's why I think, I, I think it's been a little helpful for myself is having both both a good, a good confessor and spiritual directors learning that difference. You got to split the guilt and the shame. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I think a lot of people need to realize that not all that a lot of shame isn't from God. You right. know? A lot of it's God, accusers, the accuser doing it. Absolutely. God wants you to, I mean, I, I'm not going to speak for God, but the way I think of it is God wants you to feel as much guilt as is necessary for you to change your ways. And that's it. There's yeah. no, you know, like overly punitive guilt that he wants you to feel where you're holding your head down all day. Yeah. So yeah. like, you know, the prodigal son, which is the great analogy is that the prodigal son feels the guilt, right? He wants to go back. And the part of him that wants to, what the, that, that feels ashamed is that he wants to be just like a servant. He wants just to, you know, I don't want to be, you know, I'm not worthy to be your son anymore. That's shame. Yeah. But then what does the father do? Welcomes him, says. As a son. Yeah. That's a different, that's a differentiator. And I think that's something that, um, uh, wait one second. Yeah. I've only got 10 more minutes. So I'm just like, you know. That, that's <laughs> but, fine. The, the prodigal or the, the, the father probably recognizes that the son's already feel shame. I mean, the, the son says that to him. And so the father doesn't need to, you know, you know, let that be known anymore. He doesn't need to make him feel any more shame. It's all just forgiveness. Now, you know, you did something wrong. Now you don't, you don't actually need the shame anymore. really. Right. Yeah. Now you can let go of that. Now you just need to forgive yourself. Right. Right. That's hard. That's much harder. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I've had. That's what I've had to work on for all these years. Is that you know, all, every time I go to confession, is that he's there. He's, you know, I love you. you no, know, it's okay. We'll work through this together. I'm with you. I know this is your burden, and we'll we'll, you know, we'll get over it every time. And mm-hmm. you know, here, here's 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 my strength, my life in you, in the Eucharist, mm-hmm. that you that you may defeat this. I want to say one more thing, like in my best moments when I'm resisting evil, it almost doesn't feel as much like a resisting because I feel like I'm doing it out of love for something greater. Yeah. So I'm just saying that because I don't want people who are struggling with an addiction, um, 
like I, I want people to know that the way you beat an addiction is with love. It's like, I don't know. I, I don't, because in my worst moments, I'll resist something evil, but I'll hate the fact that I have to resist it. I'll get mad at God. Okay, I won't do that, but I'm, I, I want to do that. I wish I could do that, God. You know, I liken it to, the, to something I really hate doing. My wife knows this. I hate working out. I really do. It's a pain in my butt. I don't like it, but I need to do it for myself, for my health, for my family. And I, I need to do it for them. But every time I work out, it's an opportunity for me to resist the weight and get stronger by it every little bit of time, right? The fact that I have to lift makes it an opportunity to get stronger. Mm. Yeah, and and just when someone, like like you're doing, when you work out, you're doing something that you don't want to do. Mm. I think a good way of, you know, creating a mindset mindset when you go into that is I'm flipping it instead of thinking like, Oh, I have to do this to resist something. No, I'm doing this because I love my family because I love Jesus. And I want, you know, I, I love my own body and I, I want to display my love through working out. So it's like, yeah, I'm creating a positive twist on something that could be like a negative, like you're dragging yourself to the gym and resisting something that's constantly on your back. It flips it. It's it's the do you accept this adventure or not? Do you accept this quest I'm giving you? If you say no, it becomes a chore. But if you say yes, it becomes a quest. Hmm. No. I accept this quest. Okay. Now we're gonna take this on, get it done, get the XP, move on. And you know but if I say no, it just gets heavier and resentful and like, oh gosh, I had to do this other chore kind of thing. That's the difference between a game and a chore is whether or not you accept it and take it on as a challenge. Mm. So for, now that I said it out loud, I was like, great. Now I can, now I got to live this out with my exercise, right? Right. Yeah, so. well, I mean, even another way you could conceptualize it, it's like my life's not a game. It's a love story between me and God. Yeah. So it's like it, it's, it's not that I'm going to work out in order to win a game, but it's it's more because I'm increasing my love for God. I mean, yeah. I'm just trying to help you out of maybe a little bit i, I mean it's, it's a greater it's greater when you when you bring it up that higher yeah i mean the game is more of like for me just to play around with it as a game designer because i love thinking about things in game terms but you're right it's more of a love story and one of the things that did you realize in a love story you can play games <laughs> and those are fun ones those are the ones that, that they're no they're no longer like i'm just playing a game to get points i'm playing the game to get to win no i'm playing the game because i love the person i'm playing with and I know I'm gonna mess up, and I, and they're gonna they're gonna pull a trick on me somewhere, and I know it's gonna turn a certain direction once I get there. And then you could laugh about it because you didn't knew that was gonna happen, but it's, it changes. I don't know if you ever played Dungeons and Dragons. I haven't. That's that's the kind of game that I think you really learn it because not only do you have a rule set, but you also have a, a storyteller, and you're the player. You have to trust the storyteller who's telling you the story. And I've gotten to the point in some of my games where a player is willing for his character to die because he knows it makes sense for the story. It's a dramatic end and it fits the character. And that's the kind of relationship I've built with my players is that they trust me because it's going to be a great story and it'll honor the character. 
but there are people who play the game because they want to get the loot. They want to use it as a power fantasy to show how awesome they are in this fantasy world. And then there's also the, the game masters who just use it as a bludgeon to beat other people. I've met game masters who use it to simply uh, torture their players and use play things in the game that actually annoys them in real life. And because they have, you know, there's all sorts of personalities you play with. But I've learned over time that that's not the game kind of game that God's playing with us. It's not. He wants us to live a beautiful life and enjoy being us to not only just to, it may not, it won't be an easy life. Was it pray not for an easy life, but for the strength to, to carry a hard one. It's Bruce Lee. Like that we want to be that person who can take on the toughest life possible and for our story to end in such a way that we can, that both God and I can say that was a story worth telling. Right. And I think, I think at the end of the day, God, doesn't really want us to think of life as a game like that might yeah. be a stepping stone yes i agree us. It's, it's an analogy right an analogy. yeah but that's not the way he wants you to think of it he wants us to think of it like he wants us to go to church because we love him you know yeah and you agree with this instead of looking at looking at it in a game form yeah mm-hmm. it's, i mean it's just a level it just levels of looking at the hard the the, the worst one is it's a test Right. That's yeah. that's a, that's lower. That's even lower. You know, we pass or fail. It's not that. It's more like a game. But you're right. It's better to view it as a game because you get up and try again. But even better than that, you said it's a love story. And then beyond that, it's like there's something beyond that even, and I, it's beyond a little bit of words when you get to that point of joy and contemplation and breathlessness. And it's more than just a love story. It's it's the act of love itself, which is higher than that. And that's contemplation. And that's something that all of us are called to, is to be in that place where it's just sharing your breath with your divine love, with the divine lover who is love itself. Because mm. you, know, you say, yeah, best friend, there's something higher than that. And it's, it's more like, and this is what St. Paul is more like husband to wife, but it's even more than that. Mm. Yeah. We can't even imagine it. Yeah. But it's, but we know what direction it goes. Mm-hmm. All right, Paolo, that's a great way to end it. Thank you for talking with me again. It's always, oh, always great. It's always a pleasure, man. And you know, I'd love to catch up with you again sometime outside of just talking to this and see how you're doing with all the school and everything. So, Absolutely, man. We'll, we'll keep talking. All right. All right, I'll stop the recording right now if I can. Okay, there it is. <laughs>